brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Is an unspoiled network podcast. This is Unspoiled, covering the Dresden Files, book 15, Skin Game, chapters 19, 20, and 21. In these chapters, poor Harvey. <laughs> Harry feels bad about it, real, real bad. And he goes and talks to Michael in one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that was lovely. Welcome to Unspoiled. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. I'm Rashawn. So, the scene with Michael. Can we just talk about it, like, right out of the gate immediately, please? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was really just fantastic. I, I was so happy to see him. And then, you know, he just shows up and just gives Harry all the business that he needed to have. <laughs> you know, it was so great. It was so... Um, comforting and grounding which I didn't realize how much I missed that because things in these books are so wild all of the time that you can yeah. sometimes when I'm reading I feel like I'm just spinning 
you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so this was a moment where it was like, we all got a chance to like, just like, take a deep breath. Yeah. And think about the very big, serious things that have been happening and that had happened and get some perspective. And it was just, could not have come at a better time for me as a reader and apparently for Harry as, you know, yep. the protagonist of the story. I was a little sketched to find out that they don't know about Molly yet. I know, right? Because after... And I, I'm not mad at Harry. You know, it's not his place to out her. You know, mm-hmm, I, I, mm-hmm. I get it. You guys 100% get it. However, after this this talk with Michael and how frank and honest it is and how necessary it is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Harry to end up withholding something so crucial, I just, I like... Kind of soured the it, feeling. It, it soured it, but it, but mostly it made me sad because I don't think that Harry liked to withhold it either. Yeah, you know? agreed. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And so it, it, it like when I say it soured, I don't mean like it like you know took away from what happened, but it 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 was like the one thing that Harry couldn't be you know unburden himself. Like he right. was able to like lay a lot of this down with Michael's help, you know, from off of his shoulders. But then there's this one thing he has to continue to carry because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not his to, to give to Michael. But, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was great. I, um, I feel like <laughs> I felt a little bit personally attacked. Um, <laughs> Michael's whole like, Oh, so you're holding yourself to a higher standard than everybody else. And that's because you think you're better than most people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ouch. Oh, my God. And that's, like, exactly correct. And mm-hmm. I do that constantly. I have so much more grace for other people fucking up than I do for myself fucking up. And I'll tell you, I don't have that much grace for other people fucking up. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an idea about Mm -hmm. how bad it is. And that just fucking spoke to me in this, especially lately with really feeling burnt out and like I'm screwing everything up and I'm letting people down. And all of a sudden I just realized like, oh, wow, I'm kind of like being shitty to everybody with this attitude. Mm. But I never saw it that way. Right. It's really a, a really great moment i um have been thinking a lot lately about ego in general mm-hmm. um and really this was a long roundabout way of michael just telling harry he needed to check his fucking ego mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like we we look at ego kind of just as Oh, like an egoist, you know, like, oh, I think I'm, I'm better than everybody else, you know, uh, and prideful and all that stuff. But, but ego also is the thing that makes you think that you're the only one that can do the thing, Mm -hmm. you know, no one else can do the thing as good as you can do the thing, you know, and can you stop? <laughs> She's feeling really pointed and personal right now, and I don't like it. <laughs> you know, 
but it's but also ego can be in a weird way it can show up in the way that we uh punish ourselves like what you were saying and also what we see harry going through you know Mm -hmm. um because even when we are punishing ourselves because we're guilt-ridden about failings whether they're real or perceived that is still being really self-centered you are still thinking primarily of yourself Mm -hmm. even though you couch it in oh, well, I'm feeling so bad for the people I let down. So really, I'm thinking about the people I let down. But no, the truth of it is you're still just sort of thinking about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was it was timely for me as well, for different reasons, but timely. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, you know, we know about Harry's ego. It's no surprise to us, the reader, that he has ego problems Mm. but when he's beating himself over beating himself up over things like this it doesn't occur to us a lot i think to associate that with ego Mm -mm. so it just is an unexpected way for this to crop up that i kind of appreciate because i don't feel like this gets acknowledged that often in Mm. media and there are so many characters out there who have the same attitude that harry has so many characters in fiction are like martyrs who take it upon themselves everything that goes wrong and in most of those cases it's even less warranted than it is with harry with harry i can understand why he feels the way he does and in a lot of fiction i'm just like oh my god mm-hmm. you didn't even really have anything to do with that Will you shut the fuck up nobody wants to hear you whine anymore right and i just really appreciate that this happened in a book where one kind of feels like they understand where Harry's coming from and that can be when it's like the most dangerous when you mm-hmm. know there is a bit of of alleged truth in it so you feel like I don't know I just I really appreciated it because that's one of my least favorite tropes is people taking quote responsibility for shit they had nothing to do with and and then becoming this like either a martyr or then they start to like pull back from people because Mm -hmm. they think you know and that turns into its own whole bullshit plot line i haven't got time for it kids i don't like it i don't think it works almost ever and it's boring to watch too Mm. so i remember reading this the first time and sort of wondering if harry was gonna start like pushing more and more people away and i was like oh come on man don't Mm -hmm. do this and I felt like this conversation helped me to feel like that isn't necessarily exactly how he was going to play it. Because right. it just seemed like that was the road <clears throat> we were heading down. And after the convo, I was like, all right, well, even if he does head that way, it feels like the author is at least aware. Yeah. You know? I, I 100% appreciate it, too, this, this callback to why people weren't visiting him on the island you had just asked me about that last Mm -hmm. episode and i was like i can't remember when we find out about that Mm -hmm. but yes yeah and you know as the reader and everything being you know from his pov i had 
jump to the very same conclusions he did. Well, I had questions, but still, mm-hmm. my questions were a lot rooted in, you know, like, why wouldn't his friends be there yeah. for him, you know? Um, and having Harry be confronted, uh, you know, being forced to think about a thing that he literally never had to think about because... You know, and he explains it to us, you know, he had, he, the first time he visited the island, he felt, he felt it, but he was able to protect himself through magic. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, he sort of, you know, becomes the warden of Demon Reach, which means he's now like immune to it. Right. So it wasn't even on his radar how difficult it must have been for his friends to spend any time on that island with him, mm-hmm. you know, um, Michael just always brings that needed clarity, you know? Definitely. Um, And it was just, honestly, it was great to see him again. It's great to see that he's, you know, uh, walking. Um, I don't know if, I don't remember if I knew that, Um, you know. I don't remember either. I feel uh, like we did, but. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen them. After the last time Harry was at the house, you know, nobody was there, so we didn't see him then. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time we saw him. Um, But whether we knew it or not, if we knew it, I'd forgotten it because it was a real relief to, you know, just to see that he was... uh, Up and about at all? Up up and about, you know. um, Not that if he had, you know required the chair would have been like the end of the world for him but to see that he's healing mm-hmm. is the main thing you know yeah uh it was really nice to see um yeah so yeah it was good stuff it was really good stuff i love when harry asks him if he misses it and he just says i have been appreciating more time with my family and harry's like that's not really what i was asking Mm -hmm. and he just winks at him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's gonna count his blessings and he's gonna focus on the positive things but he clearly does a little of course of course and i like that little kind of moment of acknowledgement of like okay i'm not going to say it out loud because i don't want to sound like a dick but between (laughs) you and me yeah i kind of miss the action and then we find out that Mouse has been certified as, like, a support animal so that yes. he can um, go with Maggie everywhere, including to grade school. And we get this lovely moment of Harry imagining Mouse, you know, in elementary school playing with kids and, like, getting belly rubs. And um, it was just good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's actually... Um it's good that you brought that up because they talk about Maggie briefly and it ends with Harry, like managing to change the subject. And Michael kind of just is like, I look, you're not fooling anybody. I know Mm -hmm. you changed the subject and I'm going to allow it Mm -hmm. for now, but don't act like you got away with something. Right. Right. We will be revisiting this. Notating this in your file, (laughs) sir. Um, Also though, there is something here that I want to draw attention to. I can't decide what to think of this. He finally tells Michael the truth about what happened with Susan. Mm -hmm. Which, first of all, I am surprised that that has not been talked about already. 
But I guess when would he have had the chance? So right. fair. Right. Now, Harry tells Michael that what's his face? Um, Martin set up Susan mm-hmm. and told her so that it would put her into a frenzy. Right. But that's not how that happened, Harry. I was reading, and you know my memory is for shit. And even I was like, this, I don't, this isn't how it happened, is it? No. And so I just thought that I, you know, per usual, had just really remembered things backwards. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad to hear you say that, no, this is not how that went down. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, he realized what likely happened and realized that this would be a massive advantage and hates himself the minute he thinks of it. But he tells her that it was Martin that gave up Maggie's whereabouts to spur Susan to change. Mm -hmm. And then she attacks him like he knew she would. And he gets what he was going for. And he frames it when he's talking to Michael like Martin was ready to sacrifice himself. Which, look, Martin Wait. clearly was ready to sacrifice himself anyway, but he frames it like Martin told Susan that he was the one who gave up Maggie in order to get her to attack him. And that isn't how that went at all. I can't tell if Harry is like in denial and purposefully misremembering because he can't face that he like pretty much spearheaded the whole thing. Yeah. Like, did she sacrifice herself? She agreed for him to kill her, but she didn't knowingly attack him with the full understanding of what was happening in that moment. He triggered it because he knew it would enrage her. And so... That's got a little bit more of a cold-blooded edge to it than the circumstantial situation that he tries to present. Right. And I find that suspect. I don't know what to think about that. Now, here's a question I'm just asking. Just Did you, like, (laughs) you're sure that you're remembering it the correct way? Yeah. Right? Okay, that's what I thought, too. But I just, you know, wanted to double-check. I'm going to go back and I'm going to find changes and and look right now as we're talking because I remember the moment when he thinks to himself that he hates himself for thinking of it. Um, Because this is the thing that that always gets to me is the instant understanding that Harry has of how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Um, uh, The altar, the ritual meant to kill us, can be turned back on them. If one of them dies on that knife, the curse will go after their bloodline, not ours. And let's see. Um, Okay. Suddenly it made sense. He's going through the whole thought process here. And there's a lot of internal monologue, actually. (laughs) So, okay, here it is. He took the knife from my belt, smiling, and turned toward the altar and my daughter. Dear God, I thought, think, Dresden, think. 
One day, I hope God will forgive me for giving birth to the idea that came next, because I never will. I knew how angry she was. I knew how afraid she was. Her child was about to die only inches beyond her reach, and what I did to her was as good as murder. I focused my thoughts and sent them to Susan. Susan, think! Who knew who the baby's father was? Who could have told them? Her lips peeled away from her teeth. His knife can't hurt you, I thought, though I knew damned well that no fairy magic could blithely ignore the touch of steel. Martin, Susan said, did you tell them about Maggie? He closed his eyes, but his voice was steady. Yes. Susan Rodriguez lost her mind. Mm. So there it is, folks. <laughs> it was 100% purposeful with the intent of getting her into a blood frenzy, getting her to drink, getting her to be like sacrificed, the whole thing. And he presents this like Martin was the one. I just... What's up, Harry? What's that? Yeah, when it comes up to with Michael, he says, you know, you don't know about Susan. I killed her. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to say, you know, and he says, you know, Martin set us up, you know, told the family about Maggie, which is true, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, you know, he's telling the story about, like, you know, the ritual is all ready to go and everything. And then Martin tells Susan about his treachery and she just snapped. So, he, yeah, he completely omits his yeah. part in that. And um, he says, I saw it coming. I saw what she was doing. Maybe I could have stopped it, but I didn't. Yeah, Harry. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something. I mean, like, he's doing this thing where he's just kind of, like I said, laying down all his burdens. And this is just not one he is ready to face, apparently. Yeah. You know? Um, or... Mm, yeah. I don't know. He's not ready to... to Let... It, I don't know I want to say anybody, but, you know, he's definitely not ready to let Michael know what he yeah. did in this moment. Uh, probably because he thinks that it's unforgivable. You know? And, like, I think what he did with Susan is what Martin had in mind. I'm not trying to act like... Harry came up with this idea that Martin didn't fully intend, because I think that was precisely what Martin wanted to happen. I think mm-hmm. he got Susan involved because he, he knew that she wasn't fully turned yet. And that could be the way to get the whole red court down, you know? Mm. I think that likely it was all very cl- carefully orchestrated. I just think it's wild that Harry presents it the way that he does. And yeah. he is so sincere seeming in the moment that, like, I, the first time I read this, did not catch that he was, like, basically lying and base i i sort of remembered it the way that he wanted me to and then on a reread i was like whoa i for 
God, that's how that goes. Mm. So he sort of tricked me, and I don't know, like, did Butcher forget how he did it? <laughs> I There's all kinds of, like, reasons that it could be written this way, but yeah. I just find it really sort of jarring in a moment of such honesty. Right. I think it's a... Uh... It is definitely indicative of the fact that this is not something Harry is still able to deal with. Yeah. Um, he's not able to face the... Tr- if he is unable to face the truth himself, how can he share the truth with someone else? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm. And mm. I won't lie. Mm-hmm. I've been in this situation where Have I am having killed a, an like, entire line of, dr- of vampires? Yeah. Yeah. I figured as much. You look the type. but no i've been in a moment of like a parent finally putting our cards on the table with somebody and still held back or misrepresented things i have definitely been there so i'm not trying to say i don't have sympathy for him in this moment i'm just trying to figure out exactly what the author's intending here if anything um because that just was a the big glaring like wait what for me yeah i think it maybe it's supposed to be for us you know especially mm-hmm. given you know again the frankness of this conversation on its face um and how much better he feels after he leaves i think is so important you know um but he got it's funny because it's two things Mike was like, if you came here for forgiveness, you came for to the wrong place. Yep. But then he actually, you know, does give him all kinds of compassion. And, That's true. You know, and, and, and if not forgiveness, maybe because it's not Michael's place to forgive any of this stuff. Um, with the exception of the guilt Harry feels about Michael being injured. But, but the other shit that Harry is talking about, it's not really for Michael to forgive or not. But he listens with compassion and... And says to Harry a few different times that either A, I would have done what you had done if I were in your shoes. uh, But thank God I've never been in your shoes. Mm -hmm. Or in the ways that he tells Harry, you had to make really terrible choices. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you were put in, in situations that you probably should not have ever been put in and had to make choices most people could never make. And to sort of tell him, like, you know, offer yourself some grace, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Harry is also, like, the whole thing he says when he shows up, you know, he's so broken. Like, literally, his arm is all fucked up. But then, like, he's, the first thing he says is that I'm lost, you know? Yeah. And he's he's feeling like he's becoming a monster, which has been a re- kind of recurring theme since, mm-hmm. you know, the mantle and all. Maybe even Loki a little bit before, but, you know. I defi- think before. Definitely yeah. after uh, the Red Court stuff, you know, and after Susan. Uh, and yet he cannot share the truth of this thing. This one thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I think to your point for like personal stories i it just it feels familiar you know and it Mm -hmm. feels it feels true uh you know you you have people in your life that you want to be just a hundred percent honest with and like 
lay down everything that you, you know terrible that you've ever done mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and you get a lot of it out but there are some things that we've done uh, there's some things that I have done that you know you just can't find a way to speak about them mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. yep. whether whether it's guilt or shame or you know any of those other ugly emotions that just keep that self-loathing tied to you so tightly that you can't undo the knots of it. Yeah. Even with someone as, as wonderful as, as a Michael Carpenter sitting across the table from you, you know? Mm-hmm. It makes me sad for Harry. Ultimately. Yeah, same. Definitely. It's just like... You know, I have to, I have to think that he's almost in denial because of how light he seems after. Mm -hmm. I feel like if he really had purposefully lied and been conscious of it in the moment, he would not have felt the relief. Yeah. I don't think he would. And I, so is he altering things himself or has somebody altered his memory of it? also like that also had occurred to me well you know with this this whatever is going on in his head which is still such a mystery to me Mm -hmm. you know there's this this thing in his head that that uh i shared in the chat that i just decided you know that this was last year adjacent and i was just gonna go with that (laughs) On um, the uh, Discord, you were talking. Mm-hmm, you were saying this. Yeah, okay. yeah. I popped into the into the Dresden no spoiler and just told folks, "All right, look, I'm just going to say it. This is what I think. Part of what this is, and I don't have any backup. Don't ask me why. <laughs> just you know, it's just what I'm going with. But it it stands to reason because I don't know exactly what's going on in his head. I don't know what effect it can have on how he remembers things. Like, if we think about the way um, Lashio was, and you have to forgive me if I'm, if I'm misremembering, but she was able to compartmentalize things for Harry at the time, right? So... How, what do you mean by that exactly? I, I can't remember exactly. I feel like she was able to either... Um, do things so he didn't feel pain. I think what? to a point, yeah, she right? could do that, yeah. Um, and I, and I want to say, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like when she was mucking around in his head, she was able to I don't know, I can't think of any examples because my memory isn't good enough, but I feel like she was able to do things in his brain that like if he was having trouble with something or she was just, she, she was able to just get in there and fuck around is, is, is my main point. Even though I'm sorry, I can't give exact details. I mean, yeah, she but, like convinced him that the building was on fire. You know, so like she, completely she, you know, that, yeah. she, she could go in there and like create, uh, thoughts or memories or, or perspectives perceptions you know mm-hmm. so so if the thing that's living in his head is it in any way related 
Talashia or like a remnant of her or or, or her itself if somehow out of, in ways I can't even wrap my brain around how it could actually be her. But I don't know, y'all. I haven't read the rest of the books. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe the thing in his brain c- could manipulate him in ways like that. But then that leads me down to a, another question of like why you know is it because the thing in his head seems to be adversarial it definitely seems like it's going to kill him you know if if we're not careful mhm however just because you know what i said adversarial but i don't know if that's true that's fair right like like oh, okay says, grant well mab says that it'll go after the people that he loves Okay, that that does sound pretty menacing. Okay, yeah. but that's coming from Mab. True. See, who can you trust in this world? <laughs> Maybe it was gonna go to them and uh, be friends with them. I mean, <laughs> without knowing what it is, like just because something will kill you as it's coming out or being born, does it not necessarily mean that it meant to kill you? Right? You know what I mean? Are you, like, taking a uh, hashtag not all aliens right now? Kind of. You know? (laughs) Like, um... If the only... (laughs) if If the thing in his head wants to get out, maybe getting out is, is, like, the prime objective. And it doesn't matter to it. Or maybe it doesn't even realize that it would kill Harry coming. Okay, I just don't know enough about mm. whatever it is in its head, you know. Yeah. Granted, your point about what Mab said about going after everybody he loves does does put it in a little <laughs> bit of a dark light. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But, but also, it's coming from Mab, and you have to take everything she says with a grain of salt. That's true. So, um, all this to say... It's possible that he doesn't even realize he is not remembering correctly. Like, what if the thing in his head is doing some kind of weird, like, trying to protect him Mm. in an effort to protect itself in Mm. some weird way, you know? That's interesting. Because if Harry, if Harry is having this much trouble dealing with the guilt of his actions with Susan and he is remembering it this way and the guilt is killing him. Imagine how it would be if he was remembering it accurately. Mm, That's true. You know, like, could he even function? Yeah, I don't know. Compelling points. (laughs) I like it. Um... But yeah, so I was thinking too about when we were joking about the orientation packets for uh, new denarians, <laughs> and I was saying that one of the panels would be about like, so you want to masturbate? <laughs> and I remembered afterward how Lashiel was like basically telling Harry, "Oh, I can make you think you're fucking anybody." So I'm over here acting like it's going to be so awkward because you're going to want to masturbate and they're going to be watching you. But the Denarian can basically be like a virtual porn at any time. 
Like, Lashio was willing to pretend to have sex with Harry herself, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is wild to me. But and- there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if they can do that, if they can create, like, a virtual sexual encounter, they can do a lot, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> I just thought of Nicodemus. I'm just like, ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> like oh. I, I wonder, I mean, like, I know she was like the seducer and the pers- pervade, uh, persuasive one. So I don't know if they all have that particular skill. But imagine if he did. Good god. I have a very particular <laughs> set of skills. I help you jerk off very effectively. Man, I'm just thinking about the scenarios that I would play out. What would my Denarian's form take? Mm-hmm. Ragnar Lothbrook, probably mm-hmm. something like this. That would work for me. Um, so we we have talked about Michael, but what makes Harry go there is what happens with poor Harvey. Yeah. Um, this was wild because you know the the last chapter when Harry was you know fighting the good fight as best he could against all these fools and there was just like a Harry, I'm not a Harry, Harvey just in the background completely losing his shit which was reasonable mm-hmm. and I am, you know, it was the right thing to do uh, and then we find out that that's, that's, that's it wasn't Harvey mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he got switched out at some point mm-hmm with, I don't know when and how. I'm not thought, sure either. I thought he was with Harry like really close the whole time, and they don't really say, like like uh, Goodman is like you know yeah I, I came and like you know, knocked him unconscious or whatever. But I don't know when the fuck that happened. I think it was some t- because Harry makes this dense fog with the cold, and I think that just obscures everybody's vision at once. So I mm. think it was in there, mm. but. You know, I'm not totally positive. Yeah. It would make sense. Uh, Goodman does compliment Harry on that tactic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this the chapter opens when uh, it's looking really bad for uh, Harry and Harvey. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> things start turn around. I love it so much. Because they go for Harry first, thinking like, oh, there's mm-hmm. our threat. And Harry's like... I would have done the same thing, but we were both wrong. (laughs) What we should have been doing. (laughs) I love this so much. Goodman Gray killed that one first. As the ghoul passed over him, Harvey's eyes went cold and calm and one arm swept out. I didn't see it actually change as much as I had an impression that the arm was for a second in an entirely different shape. A hard, inward curving sickle moving with fantastic speed. There was a shearing sound combined with a thunk like a schoolroom paper cutter, but wetter and meatier, and suddenly the ghoul's top and bottom halves were spinning off on separate arcs. Uh, did this guy just, like, T-1000 this Yes. Because that's what yes. it is, right? That's, okay. that's what it sounded. That's what it sounded like to me. Oof. Damn. Um... This 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 gray character, y'all, he is something else. <laughs> There's a you know, so it's so, so a little bit more fighting. It does it it goes really fast because this guy is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like a whole 
big fight scene. He just fucks these ghouls up. Um, and when he's done, Harry says he looked exactly as relaxed as he had before. Which is just terrifying. <laughs> like, he is, like, we have, you know, it's been established that ghouls are particularly nasty. And then on top of that, the ones that Harry is fighting here seem to be even more so, mm-hmm. right? This guy comes in, fucks them all up, doesn't break a sweat. And it's completely calm and chill afterwards. Like, all right, so that's done. I don't, um, I don't know what to do with this new character. I really don't. <laughs> At one point, he's walking away, and Harry's like, "He isn't even worried about turning his back on me." Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm almost offended. Mm-hmm. And then tells him straight to his face, like a page or two later. It's not like I'm scared of you, Dresden. Why would like why would I lie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says something about how like lying well takes ongoing effort and mm-hmm. I'm just not fucking interested anymore. I'm mm-hmm. too old for that shit basically. basically. He says it gets too old it gets old after a few centuries. I don't even bother anymore. Uh and and then so <laughs> after the fight with the ghouls and like, you know, Harry is like caught up to what the fuck's going on. He's like, so where's Harvey? And I was like, yeah, where the fuck is Harvey? And Gray is like, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's over here. You know, I just knocked him out. I think he says choked him out, which I'm not comfortable yeah. with that phrasing. Um, <laughs> Fair. And they go, to, they go to get Harvey, and he's dead. Someone has slit his throat. And... They don't know who did it. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but like, what? that is just so like, <laughs> he, his response is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. <clears throat> oh, Harry's not amused. You think this no. is funny? Uh, and Gray's just like, it's about business, though. You know, like, we we didn't want to kill him because we didn't want anybody to know he was gone. Mm-hmm. So he goes right about the business of, if I'm not mistaken, like licking up some of the blood. Yeah. He like cups it and laps it out of his hand. Like yeah. yeah. And then like, and also like gets the sample that, you know, or is that what, that's the sample that's they were going sample. to get. Right. So yeah. he can, imper- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I got confused for a second. So they, this creates even more distrust between the two of them though. Because Harry is kind of like not 100% believing Gray when he says he didn't kill Harvey. Yeah, and he's trying to get like a scent off Harvey's body and he's like, he just smells like ghoul shit, basically. Mm-hmm. And Harry is not believing him entirely. And yeah. when he's like, can you figure out who did it? Harry's like, maybe if I had a bunch of equipment... And he looks over at Gray and sees that Gray doesn't believe him either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like this this tense, like, second standoff where they're just looking at each other kind of like, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Gray just says, you know, I'm telling you the truth. Like, <laughs> to which Harry replies, yeah, we're just a bunch of trustworthy Boy Scouts. <laughs> and he gets almost a smile. 
Yeah. Out of gray. And I'm just like, are they going to end up being friends? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I just enjoy gray, so I would always be down for that. Yeah, he's turning out to be very interesting. There's this fantastic moment after, you know, he says that he's going to go and pretend to be Harvey for the rest of the day. And Harry's like, you think you can pull that shit off? Go sit in his office and talk to his clients about complex financial things? Mm -hmm. You're really that good? And Craig just says, yeah. (laughs) I'm better. (laughs) His eyes glinted weirdly and it made me shudder. And, uh, when Harry's like, what do we do about his body? Gray's like, we got a couple ghouls that are about to wake up. Leave him here. Yeah. Don't eat him. No remains. Yeah. Harry is Harry is feeling like this is not acceptable. Uh, and it takes a stand. Well, I'm not going to do that. If you don't like it, then we're going to have a problem. And Gray is like, you do whatever the fuck you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm clocked out. <laughs> and Harry is just kind of like left there. And he ends up just like hiding poor Harvey behind a bookshelf or some bullshit. Just yeah. like hoping that uh, the police will find him. And then he goes and just wails on the two uh, ghouls that are left frozen. So that, you know, he doesn't have to worry about them waking up later. Mm-hmm. I did have the strength of my good arm and a big heavy stick. <laughs> I used them to shatter the frozen ghouls into chunks. I, and then I left the store and shambled back to the rental car feeling tired and sick and useless. He is not a fan of this, this rental car. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how much he has to say about he that. He really does not care for it. Uh, so yeah, then he goes to Michael's. And we pretty much talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to just a real quick shout out to Michael's beer opener. Oh, Mjolnir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, he, he tells him, you know, all the stuff about what it's like to be the winter mantle, how he thought that he could make the deal with Mab, but then get out of it by having himself murdered, and that didn't work. And Michael said, <laughs> uh-huh, I had wondered about that. And, uh, what else did they talk about before? Uh, he sets Harry's arm, which is, like, supposed to be why he's there. Because mm-hmm. he does a, he makes a decision not to call Butters. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Michael's like, maybe we should call Dr. Butters. (laughs) And Harry, like, he says he's been a little bit like, what is the word he says? He says wary. He's a little wary of me. Wary, right. Um, and also doesn't like working on, you know. The living. (laughs) The living. But, you know, he comes to the door and he says, I think I need help. I think I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And then once his arm is set, he tries to act like that shit didn't happen. Yeah. Like, up and it's just like, like well, gonna better go. be on my way. And <laughs> Michael has to loop his cane around Harry's ankle and jerk his leg out from underneath mm-hmm. him, which is great. It's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's really good. It just flops his ass right back into that chair. And he's like, Harry, look, 
How many times have I saved your life? Have I ever asked you for anything in return? And then doesn't say anything else. Let's the silence just sit. And so finally Harry just comes out with it. Mm -hmm. And he says that he doesn't know if he's one of the good guys anymore. Yeah. And then they they go down his list of transgressions. Uh, The weird altered history about what happened with Susan. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about working with Nicodemus. And um, after that point, that's when Michael is just like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I love Michael being like, oh, you may be working for Nicodemus, but I don't believe for one second you intend to actually help him do whatever he's going to do. And Harry gets this like little mischievous smirk on his face and he's like, "Mm mm-hmm, what I say, I know you. Yeah, it's it's good. And, uh, oh my God, yeah, the last thing that he starts going into is about why people didn't, his friends didn't come to see him. Mm-hmm. And how it was only, you know, people drive farther to get to the movies, I think he says. Yeah. And that's when Michael has just had enough. And yeah. calls him a fool and arrogant. And then, um, you know, just like I said earlier, it starts to give him the business. <laughs> <laughs> the business. <laughs> There's also a really nice moment when he's talking about Maggie as well and about worrying for her well-being and michael is like okay two things one everybody knows what you did yeah (laughs) to the red court so nobody is itching to come test you as far as maggie goes Mm -hmm. if anyone even knows you know and then also i have a dozen angels up in this bitch yeah because that's my version of a 401k (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly what it is. Part of my retirement package. God, and Harry tries to be like, well, she's not always in the house, and that's when he finds out mm-hmm. about Mouse. Yeah. Which is a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing that, that Michael has to say to Harry that starts to kind of get through um is the fact that Harry continues to care. Right. Right. He cares about what he's doing. He cares about his friends. He cares about whether or not he's becoming a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the, the the surefire way to know that you are not, in fact, a monster yet, is the fact that you still right. give a fuck. Um, and I think that that is kind Like, I can see how it would be, like... Sometimes things are so cliched, they're just corny. You know, well, as long as you care, that means you're not, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, but I, I did not mind this, <laughs> you know? I know what you mean, because I had the same thought where I was like, okay, I don't actually really agree with that entirely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because so many people just manage to rationalize their shit. They still worry, they still mm-hmm. seem to care, but they just manage to justify it all. Right. But here, it did feel correct to me. Right. Yeah, same, same. Um, so, oh, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of what other fun things that happened. Uh, uh, when he talks about how he got uh, Karen involved, 
and um Mike was like, good. Yeah. <laughs> he is very gratified to hear that she is involved in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, although Harry says that he isn't telling her everything. And I can't remember what he's kept from her. Um, God, we just read that not too long ago. Because when he's asking her to join him on this quest. And he tells her he can't tell her everything. And he asks her to trust him. But I can't remember what details he left out. Yeah. yeah um, that's fine. I. Let me see. Is it. Mm, <laughs> is it Mab related stuff that he didn't tell her? I don't know, honestly. Mm, okay. All right. Well, I'm sure somebody will yell at us and tell us. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's something that we don't know he's not telling her. Maybe we don't know either. Maybe. I, I can't. Uh, maybe I'll go back and reread later. Um. So. Yeah, they talk about the island a little bit and um, how instead of thinking about all the times that they didn't come to visit him, because because Michael was like, "Look, I have done a lot of things in my life, you know, but mm-hmm. you basically could not pay me to ever go back to that island." Yeah, he's like, right. I had one of my, like, the worst injury of my life. And when I have nightmares, I don't dream about that part. Mm-hmm. I just dream about that fucking island and how yep. terrifying that is. Yep. And he says the fact that Molly, and now you're telling me that Karen went and that Thomas went, and they did it multiple times, that's fucking astounding to me. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, but they never said anything. They never told me how bad it was for them. And I'm just like, da-doy, why (laughs) would they do that? You already hate yourself. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the the fucking million dollar point, which is, but you assumed it was about you. Yeah. Arrogance. Yeah, because that's what we do, folks. We assume everything is about us because we can't help ourselves. We're just sort of built that way. Oh, that's so true. How our brains function, and it is a constant, never-ending battle to confront that in ourselves, you know, that everything Mm -hmm. is not about us. Most things are not about us. And the few things that are actually about us tend to be the things that we don't fucking want to look at. Yo, can you stop (laughs) yelling at me this episode? I swear to God. This is rude this now. Is, this is Butcher. You should write an angry email <laughs> jimbutcher.com and just address it, sir. How <laughs> dare regards Natasha Winners. <laughs> Subject line, how dare. Body of text, I repeat, how dare. Signed, sincerely, your friend, except I hate you, Natasha Winters. <laughs> so the next chapter Harry is feeling so much better mm-hmm. he rolls up to this slaughterhouse with a bunch of fast food oh my God, you guys. tosses a bag to Jordan and tells him not to let it burn his tongue You got, and then looks at the other guy <laughs> and is like well he's glowering at me now but it's an act, because who can resist my bluff and manly charisma? He wants to be friends with me. I know it. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder sometimes 
how much I would hate Harry if I actually knew him in person. Oh my god, he would be insufferable, but we would probably love him. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, look, I know the guy means well, and he gets the job done, but I don't want to fucking deal with him in any way at all, ever. Thank you. be somebody who's like you know hearing about his shit on the outside but if i'm at max and he walks in i'm like already calling for my check nope (laughs) not interested well you know what uh that's not actually a bad idea (laughs) you know like i yeah if he's so if he's showing up it's definitely time to get the check and go Mm -hmm. because but that's not even necessarily because i don't want to be around harry i just know he's staying the bullshit I mean, that you know, too. So, yeah. so I'm leaving as a safety precaution. God. I'm just, yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> um, so she, when he comes around, Karen's sort of like, Harry. And she, she acts almost like she doesn't think it's him, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, when finally he says, whoa, hold on, Annie Oakley, you did not just say that, not right to my face, because he says he got her some food, and she looks at the fast food and says, I'm not sure I'm that hungry. <laughs> and he takes offense to that. He, uh... But that she, seems to make her go, oh, okay, it is Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it when she's, like, when she asked, when she says Harry with, like, a, like, with a question mark, mm-hmm. he says, who else would I be? And then immediately he goes, except that jerk is too busy being Harvey to be me. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, he tells her that, you know, he went to see uh, Michael and that, mm -hmm. as he describes, it made him feel 20 tons lighter, at least on the inside. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like to explain his uh, unusually chipper. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know demeanor yeah um and then he brings up the speed about how wrong everything went and this brings up a conversation about why tessa would be showing up trying to ruin everything and um you know just trying to figure out what to make of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which they really don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, well, so he starts to talk about it. And then um, Murph asks something about whether or not Binder's goons can handle a thing. Harry says, check with Binder. And Binder walks in saying, check with me about what? So they start to give Binder the lowdown. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. stops them and goes and gets Good, Yeah. <laughs> Um, who has been working on her, you know, all of the magic that she is being expected to figure out in 24 hours. Um, and Asher is the one who's like, wait, aren't they, he, if he's her husband, aren't they on the same side? And Harry's mm-hmm. like, oh, sweet summer child. Right. No, They're all not the relationship. <laughs> Binder and Asher are also kind of like, well, mostly Binder. Is noticing that, uh, yeah, Harry's here, but we're, where's Deidre? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the rest of the party? Because yeah. it looks a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Where is Deidre again? Uh, last we saw, she was going to try to distract her mom. 
Right. Okay. And I, I think that's going ex- on there. I think that's exactly what he tells when um when they ask him. Like you know, last I saw her, she was dealing with her mom, and um, yeah, we totally don't see her after that, do we? Hmm. Well, they come back in this chapter. Right? Wait, Deirdre does? At the end of... I'm trying to... I feel like it's just um, Nicodemus, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, uh, she walks but she walks beside him. Oh, The very yeah. last page, he comes in. She's beside him. Uh, Her expression, unfriendly and unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah, but no explanation about what, where she's been. We don't get any explanation about what right. happened or anything. But yeah, so they are talking about, like, all this is happening while they are dealing with all this firepower. There's like 40 Uzis that need to be mm-hmm. loaded. Um, and there's this whole side conversation. It's like one of ours. Just goes way off the rails. Where He says something about 40 guys and then Harry gets completely distracted about didn't they have uh didn't didn't some biblical guy have forty soldiers? And then and then <laughs> it turns into Gideon and he had three hundred and then he's like, No, that, those were the Spartans <laughs> And she's like, Oh, it was also the Spartans, except they didn't just have three hundred and he's like, Well, I don't blame them because the movie's way better <laughs> if they only have three hundred. And then someone is like, No, you're thinking about how many days and nights it was on Noah's Ark then Alibaba comes up and it's like, no, he didn't have 40 guys. He ripped off 40 guys. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was an odd bit of like very Whedon-esque sort of dialogue in my mind. Yes. As someone who's in the middle of a Buffy watch, that is uh, that's a perfect, perfect, perfect example. Um, <laughs> also, the there's a moment where uh, he is talking with Karen about, well, okay, so it actually is is right after this. Um, what kind of target is tough enough that it needs 40 demon soldiers with submachine guns? And Karen says if it comes down to Binder's goons shooting people, Harry says we sure as hell don't stand around and watch it happen. And she says, good, but won't that upset Mab? And if you fuck it up, won't she try to kill you? And he tries to do a, like, oh, she can try. But it doesn't have the sort of carefree vibe right. that he wants it to. Yeah, yeah. And Karen gets upset and sort of just turns away from him and is like, I gotta load these guns. Mm-hmm. And it's just an interesting moment to me of, like... You know, that that kind of, oh, he always makes it through, mm-hmm. that isn't going to be the way people see him anymore. He, like, barely managed to get back to life. Yeah, yeah. And he's sort of acting like, oh, well, yeah. like, I got nothing this, to worry about. And it's like, mm. Yeah, these people have just recently mourned his death. Yeah. That is very, very real for them. It might His death might not have felt real for him. You know, because in a lot of ways, it really wasn't, Yeah. you know. But for his friends, it was very real. And that's not something that they're just going to bounce back from. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to mention, too, that there was a bit of a quick conversation about between Asher and um, Karen. And is Binder, I think, is involved? About, about the, the goats. goats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and they're keeping track. And uh, there are only eight goats left, and they decided, you know, that that means whatever this thing is, because they still don't know what it is, is eating about a, one goat at every meal. And they start to kind of think about what it could be. Uh, and the first thing that comes out is how big it must be. And they start yeah. to think, well, what what do you think it's here for? <laughs> uh, and um, I think it's Binder who says, do you think it's muscle? And then uh, Harry is like, well, maybe where we're going, we need something that's just that big and that powerful physically. Mm-hmm. And then Asher is like, well, maybe it's just there to clean us up after this is all said done. Yeah. And Karen makes a really good point, I thought. And Binder shoots it down immediately. But Karen says, we wouldn't have been given a chance to become aware of it if it was only meant to clean us up after the job. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good point. And then Binder's like, well, unless that's what Nicodemus wants us to think. <laughs> and that's like the response to practically every question later is just... Well, unless that's what they want us to think. Unless Mm -hmm. that's what she wants us to think. Well, unless that's what he wants us to think. And it's just getting... Harry finally has to be like, oh my god, I can't. (laughs) We just have to take some things at face value. Because we can't just keep on doing this. Harry says... has thinks to himself, too, after this bit. uh, Because um, as he's speaking, Binder says us. And Harry's like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more people that feel like they're in an us versus Nicodemus sort of situation when it hits the fan, the better it will be. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So Mm. what do you think's uh, eating the goats? Girl, I cannot call it. I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. (laughs) Something that big, but also invisible and, and, and makes no sound. I I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to fucking see it though. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it ends with uh, Nicodemus saying, "Let's go to the conference table." Gray is back. It's time to talk about our target. So that is the end of chapter twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. So. I want to say hi real quick to new patrons. We've got Amy Sophia Mayer and John Hood this week. Welcome to Welcome. both of you. Appreciate you very much. Um, hope that y'all are enjoying the Mistborn coverage, if that's what you're into. The uh, Unsober coverage, if that's what you're into. The Unsober coming up this weekend will be about burnout. Yes, it um, will. And uh, I've got plenty to say. So apparently do other people, because I have gotten some response on this. Topic. That's really. I'm glad to hear people are responding about it. I was. I wasn't really sure. Yeah. You know, when you told when I saw it and we talked about it, I was just like, "Do people want to listen to us talk about this?" Because I might just cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's a danger. I've been noticing lately that any time that I don't have something that's keeping me busy, and, and I just have a moment where I'm still, I barely like stop myself from crying girl i've been crying all week that's just been like that's my my burnout tip if every time you take a breath you think you might cry (laughs) you might be a burnout (laughs) 
Um, I was watching the uh, prom episode of Buffy, which is still one of like my favorite moments of the entire series, when she gets the the protection award. Yes. Tears just Aww. streaming down my face. Oh, you're so precious. <laughs> I'm also exhausted and don't feel well. And yep. I'm just, you know, just like overly emotional. If you're, Not overly, but just very emotional. It is always wild to me when you're in a certain state, the things that'll get you. I remember <laughs> there's an amazing thread on the Internet somewhere of women who uh, talk about the like most ridiculous things that made them cry when oh. they were pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I've seen one of those. Oh, they are great. I love those so <laughs> much because like all of them are hilarious but you can also sort of get it mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um and owen frequently will comment on how like we live with these two cats we see them every day but every now and then when i'm in a certain mood i'll be like babe look at her <laughs> look at how cute she is do you what see a, her and he's like oh my god <laughs> my adam ellis tunes popped up in my memories the other day and it's four squares, and it's, like, just a cat on a couch. And then, like, the second square, she's kind of, like, curled up a little. And he's in, like, the background. His eyes are all big and watery. And then, <laughs> and then the third, when she, like, turns over and her belly's exposed, and he, the fourth panel is just him full-on sobbing. He's going, oh, my God, <laughs> look at her. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, when I made the subject burnout, I wasn't sure if that was the right call either, because I know a lot of times people just want to have our show be a bit of a getaway. Mm-hmm. That's why I haven't done any shows about COVID or Trump or, you know, anything like that. But uh, this felt like something that I think all of us are de- like dealing with and feeling very isolated by, even though it seems like we're all going through it. Right. And I was just like, you know what? I feel I feel like this is gonna resonate, and apparently it is because I just have gotten a couple of replies of just like, oh, thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. this is bad for me right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But you know, we. <laughs> I'm just gonna try really hard to not make it just be. This is how bad it's been, and I'm also gonna try to make it not just be. Well, you know how you deal with it take a bubble bath <laughs> drink some water go to a movie you know all this just take some time for you that's the point asshole there's no time yes oh i hate that shit like i get people mean well when they try and suggest that but it just it's so missing the, the actual point of that mindset so uh so yeah that's what our unsober is going to be about my next Saturday is going to be so busy. I'm going to meet with Sydney for the dress in the morning. I'm going to have Unsober in the evening. And then after Unsober is Owen's friend's birthday party. Oh, to go to. nice. Going to be a packed day. Yeah, but should be good. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I'm not just like worthless by the time I reach that party. <laughs> I was just talking about how I was burned out for two hours. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, you'll get your second win. Hopefully. Um... All but anyway, right. is there anything else you want to say before we wrap? No, ma'am. I'm just looking forward to the next couple of chapters, you know, seeing what this fucking plan is, watching it come together. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you all again. We love you. And if you want to become a patron and help us out, I could really use it right now. Patreon.com slash unspoiled. 
Um, also, check out Song of Ice and Fire, which uh, has been revving up. We're in Clash of Kings at the moment. And Rashawn hosts that with me as well. And uh, I'm doing Mistborn with Miles, and we're about to do a live read next week. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, by the time this goes up, the live read will be the next afternoon. It's going to be... going to be tight. Yeah, it's going to be the Thursday, September 17th, something like that, um, at noon central time. And it's the final chapter and epilogue of The Hero of Ages. So... Yeah, if you uh, enjoy watching me be surprised by turns of events, well, actually, I don't know if it'll be a surprise. The last live read included something that was supposed to be a big reveal, but everybody was mad that I had figured out already. But there was another reveal that I hadn't figured out. So this one, you know, it's a crapshoot is what I'm saying. You never know. You never know. Yeah, come hang out. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. Until next week, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Bye, guys. Spoiled Network Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.